Okay, a lot of concern. There are a lot of questions regarding this uh, new variant. We were reporting on this uh, Friday, of course, Omicron. Here is the head of the Ontario Science Table, Dr. Peter Uni. He joins us once again here on Global News Radio. Dr. Uni, good afternoon. Appreciate your time as always. Good afternoon. All right, so two cases are discovered over the weekend in Ottawa. Just how concerned are you, the uh, science table, that uh, this is just the first of many we might see in the province? Oh, I can only, uh, you know, talk uh, on my own behalf right now. We will uh, meet uh, with the science table tomorrow, specifically also to discuss that. Um, it is a concern. We need to be aware of that. You know, the, the uh, genie is out of the bottle. Um, and uh, there will be more cases, and these cases will invariable ju- invariably just uh, turn turn up in uh, various places more uh, as a function of the surveillance that is done. Um, we need to be aware of that. Um, the growth models that uh, that uh, my colleagues fitted show that probably around November 10th, uh, there were already about 20% of the cases that were diagnosed in uh, South Africa caused by Omicron. This means it had plenty of time, you know, to uh, basically spread in uh, on the uh, African continent. That's also the reason why we uh, see that uh, the travelers uh, that uh, who, who we have seen now in this uh, province bringing it in were from Nigeria. That's not a neighboring country of uh, South Africa directly. It's probably just everywhere. It uh, starts to be already pervasive, and that's just how it is right now. All right. There's so much we don't know about Omicron, uh, which, of course, you know, always breeds fear, the unknown. So can you tell us uh, what do we know at this point? What are you hearing when it comes to transmissibility and just a uh, severeness of illness? Yes. So the first thing which is important is just to realize this thing spreads very rapidly. Uh, to give you a hunch, you know, uh, in South Africa and here, when Delta took over, it took Delta roughly three months to make it from 5% um, to 95% of uh, all the infections caused by Delta. Um, this thing, uh, Omicron, required three to four weeks to make it from 5 to 95% in South Africa. This means uh, it's really going relatively rapidly. Now, what is the reason for that? Uh, the mutations that we're seeing points towards two reasons. One is, indeed, it's genuinely more transmissible. Again, you know, uh, uh, just uh, more than, uh, than than Delta, but the other part is it evades the immune system. And it's very difficult right now to tell how much of this dominance that, that uh, Omicron now has over Delta is explained by transmissibility and how much by evading the immune system. If it comes to, um, you know, causing serious disease, the virulence of it, uh, you know, resulting in hospital admissions or ICU admissions, we don't know yet. There are early signs to suggest it's probably not less virulent than um, what we're accustomed to now with Delta. And uh, we will need to see how this goes. We will, you know, a lot more, you know, during the next uh, two weeks or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw some uh, experts talking over the weekend that the severity of the illness with Omicron is actually uh, less than Delta. As a matter of fact, it's uh, kind of a dry cough and a light, if you will, uh, muscle ache. Uh, yeah. Do you know any more about that? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't get my hopes up here. You know, what we see now with uh, with hospitalization rates going up in Gauteng um, doesn't point towards 
towards that. This was just, you know, some early rumors, probably wrong. I hope it's not more serious. This would be great news already. Then we only would have to deal with increased transmissibility, etc. We will see how it goes. So I wouldn't believe any of that. What you should believe, however, is it could be that the symptoms are different. You know, there some of the early cases that were described, just uh, described uh, a lot of tiredness. They were tired like never in their lives, etc. Perhaps it will impose with different symptoms. We'll find out. All right. Do we know how resistant this new variant, Dr. Uni, how resistant it is to our current vaccines and the fact that it, uh, you know, did multiply exponentially so quickly, as you just detailed a moment ago for us, does that suggest that uh, maybe this uh, new variant is resistant to our current vaccines? We don't know the contributions. Most likely, given the mutations, it's really a combination of just pure transmissibility indeed and and uh, um, escaping the immune system. And then it doesn't matter whether you, know, you reach the immunity through infection or through vaccination, partially escaping. The big question now is, if we know that already, by how much it will escape? And the other part is, um, does this also mean that the risk, you know, of, of uh, vaccinated people uh, for uh, hospital admissions or ICU admissions would increase? We do not know any of that yet, but everybody hopes, of course, that the vaccines just hold steady regarding hospital admission and ICU admission. And I think that's a justified hope. Yeah. I don't know how much you know about this, but I've also been reading today that uh, Moderna in particular, but I think uh, Pfizer and maybe AstraZeneca as well, are working on a modification to their uh, vaccines, uh, particularly the mRNA vaccines that uh, I guess they've already got kind of a a good base when it comes to the uh, vaccine and they can uh, tweak it for a variant like this. Yeah, you know, that's the big advantage of the mRNA vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna. It's like plug and play. You take a lot less time to make the adaptations. Indeed, if you understand the code, you basically can code for the new spike protein and then uh, introduce the code uh, through uh, mRNA into the body so that this new spike protein is being produced. Of course, you uh, you still have uh, quite a lot of research and development to do, but it goes much quicker than before. So having said uh, all of that, uh, what does this mean? And is this something maybe you'll be talking about uh, at the science table over the uh, coming week is the need for not only maybe a different uh, vaccine or an updated vaccine, but uh, booster shots and that we need them sooner rather than later and have to open up uh, the admissibility of those uh, booster shots for all? Yeah, yeah, it's a very obvious point that you're making. Um, I would personally believe that, you know, these uh, age thresholds, the cutoffs will be lowered again and again. And uh, what we now need to do is, first of all, just to have everybody who is actually eligible for a booster shot get it. You know, the booster shots weren't taken up that well, even though they have been available for 3 million people for quite some time now, and that's a bit worrisome. What everybody needs to understand is these boosters make a hell of a difference for everybody. We know that from Israel, you know, for Delta, and there's no reason to assume it will be different for Omicron. And that uh, it's not only that it protects, again, much better against infection, but on top of the already really great protection against the hospital and ICU admissions, it will add protection by above uh, about 90% for both um, ICU admissions and hospital admissions. This is tremendous. So please get your third dose. We, uh, I start to call it really a three-dose vaccine. That's probably what it is for the time being. So would you expect that in the coming weeks that we're going to hear an announcement uh, regarding boosters? 
Yes, I would believe so, you know, that things are changing, that these cutoffs, you know, that are at 70 right now will go down to 60 and then probably to 50. And we need to find a bit of a sweet spot and how low we, we need to go. And this will also depend on the epidemiological situation. One of the other things you might be discussing, I would guess, uh, over this uh, next week or so at the science table is the possibility of lockdowns. Could you talk to us about that, what you'll be uh, watching and uh, whether or not uh, we are going to need to have to lock down again because of this new variant? Well, I genuinely hope this won't be the case. No, but indeed, of course, the game has changed again. That's the curveball we talked about, you know, during the last months. Um, if everything went just with a Delta, we would be quite okay if we just do what we're doing and just get a bit better at it. But if there's a curveball, things could be different. I would hope, you know, that we can modify our behavior, you know, a little bit less contacts, people working from, from home a bit more again, perhaps capacity limits, a better masking, better ventilation, better filtration of the air, that with all of that in place, that we have a fair chance and they can do it with a relatively subtle measure measures that will not impede our liberty, societally speaking, too much. But, uh, you know, there's no guarantees. We will see how it goes. Well, public health, of course, is paramount. But uh, do you or how do you balance that with the possibility of a lockdown and shutting the economy down again? I mean, we've been talking about uh, in the news over the last, uh, you know, a couple of months, the supply chain problems, inflation, of course, because there's great demand, very little uh, supply. It's had a real effect on uh, families. And just how do you balance all of that and possibly shutting things down again in public health? Well, you know, that's also part of public health. You know, we also have, of course, the negative effects of restrictions. Therefore, if ever possible, we should use the measures we're having and just play with those without having to impose, you know, the same sort of restrictions again with, uh, you know, shutting down businesses, etc. Can we just deal with having more people work from home, less dinner parties, um, you know, a bit less social contacts for everybody, etc. Is this possible? And then, you know, there are other aspects like when we now really manage to get uh, the kids vaccinated 5 to 11, how much will this impact and so on? We will need to see and play this by year a bit. This is all very new. All right. Dr. Uni, you're always good with your time. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot for having me again. Dr. Peter Uni, head of the Ontario Science Table, back after this on Global News Radio. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.